Welcome to the Eastern Hills Audio Podcast. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards finding community and following Christ. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're good with Jesus, just not his church. Maybe you're feeling disconnected and want to reconnect. We think you'll find our messages both helpful and hopeful. So enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm Dennis Murphy, Operations Manager at Eastern Hills Bible Church. I'm so glad you are joining us today. If you are tuning in for the first time, seeing me on your screen isn't a big surprise. If this is your second time in a row, you might be a little disoriented. Last week, Nick, our new student minister, taught. He turned 21 this week. Uh, You might wonder why we have such a wide age range of speakers. Nick is amazing. Frankly, he's a tough act to follow. I didn't love his joke about when was the last time anyone saw a teacher with a full head of hair on our stage, but other than that. But if you are an Eastern Hills regular, you are pretty confused right about now. Dennis is teaching. I've only ever seen him on stage in a leprechaun suit. It's a long story. Anyway, if you have young children, they may be asking, what is the donut man doing on stage. Here is what I would say. This is a great teachable moment for your child. Yes, dear little one, isn't this amazing? God can even use the donut man to further his kingdom. Truly amazing. Truly inspiring. Happy Columbus Day weekend, everyone. Something tells me we won't be calling it that for very much longer. So happy three-day weekend. That always happens in mid-October because it'll have a new name at some point. Sorry, there is no Apple Festival this year. That is just another asterisk for 2020. But I hope you're getting out to enjoy our beautiful central New York fall weather. Hey, uh, Pastor Kyle is a good, good friend of mine, and I love him like a brother. I know many of you do too. We worked together for 15 years. He helped me write this message You can see if you can pick out the Kyle parts as I go along. You may have heard that he is moving on from ministry at Eastern Hills. If you want to talk with the elders more about that, please reach out to them at elders at easternhills.org. Kyle's transition has started with a sabbatical supported by EHBC to help to build uh, a foundation for his next step. Know that we are putting together plans to celebrate him on Sunday, November 1st. We will be thanking Kyle for his years of service at Eastern Hills and getting excited about what God has in store for him. I hope you can join us. Today we are continuing the series, The Gospel Lens. We've been exploring the idea that looking at life through the lens of the gospel helps us to see the connection between Jesus and everything else. I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, work. Now, to be honest, it isn't my favorite subject because I'm really, really good at it. There may be some of you watching who have worked for me or with me or who I have worked for. And you may be wondering why I would be asked to teach anybody about work. I may or may not be good at it, but I have done a lot of it. I'll be sharing what is different about work as seen through the gospel lens I'm going to try to explain how to have work work for you. Let's start with a game 
called You Think That's Bad. This is usually played with my in-laws having to do with freak accidents. Honestly, it would start with something as innocent as, hey, I smashed my thumb today. And then one of my wife's extended family members would say, you think that's bad? Last month I was bitten by a dog. And on and on it would go. My father-in-law always wins. This is because he worked in construction his whole life, and most rounds of the game would end with a really gory story of a job injury. Today we are going to play the worst job ever version. If you are chatting with us, please play along. So I say, cleaning kennels in a pet shop, which was one of my early and worst all-time jobs. I have no idea why puppies have so many intestinal problems, but you should be glad they are usually behind glass. Cleaning kennels in a pet shop, your turn. You think that's bad, write it down, send it to us. I really can't wait to read your responses, but whatever you say, I could come back with janitor in a nursing home or sell speed reading courses over the phone or service writer in an auto repair shop when you don't know anything about cars or house painter when you're really very, very afraid of heights. I could do this all day. And forgive me if you do this kind of work and it's your dream job. Many of us, especially early in our working life, settle for a job, any job, and that is part of our problem. Job, Job. Just me. Isn't it ironic that our word for the exchange of work for money is spelled the same as the poor schlub in the Bible story who lost everything, reached rock bottom, and sat in ashes scraping the sores from his skin? It goes without saying that our worst jobs are very Job-like, but there are challenges that come with even our favorite work. Here are two common approaches to work. We can worship our work, or we can just be working for the weekend. There are downfalls to both. Worshiping work leaves us always chasing our identity. And here's some lies that come with this. Success makes me happy. Wealth fills my soul. Whoever works the hardest wins. Working for the weekend means five days a week are a drag. And if you've ever had that kind of job where you are just holding on, that is a really hard place to be. A lot of your time is spent pushing through the drudgery. And most of your life, if you're living like that, is just spent waiting. You're waiting for the weekend, you're waiting for vacation, and maybe you're even waiting for retirement. How can we view work so it works for us? Because each of us will spend a lot of hours doing it. So how many hours does the typical American work per year? In 2015, which is when I was able to get data, the average employee will put in 38.7 hours a week. There's not going to be a quiz, by the way and work 46.8 weeks a year. That was in 2015, according to an analysis of the Department of Labor. When you put all that together, assuming you've worked 45 years, 
That's 81,500 hours. That's a lot of hours. It's as if you worked every minute of every day for nine straight years. And imagine doing that in something that you hate. Let's go back to the gospel message and see how God can redeem even something as challenging as hard work. Remember this slide from previous weeks. God created, God commanded, humanity rebelled, God rescues, and humanity responds. These are the five basic components of the gospel. God created and God commanded. In God's original plan, work was good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 shows God hard at work creating heavens and earth, darkness and light, land and sea, plants and animals, and finally us. All of his creation, he declared good and humans made in his complex image, he declared very good. We don't know if he was tired or not, but he chose to rest on the seventh day. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. To be created in God's image tells us a few things. Our function. We're supposed to create and cultivate the earth like he does. Work helps us do this. Our identity. God tells us who we are. As human beings, we are designed to reflect God by creating and cultivating. This is why great work of our works inspire us, whether they're art or construction. We can see the beauty in it. Also, we can't do things alone. We're supposed to do it together. As agents of God, as image bearers, his design for us was to represent him in the cosmos by the life we live and the work we do. And our divine human relationship, we are meant to live in unity with God and one another. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Humanity was designed to till and keep the world. We are meant to build and grow and maintain. This is why sometimes we love work. We were also meant to do this with others, which is why we love healthy teams. Genesis 2 is sort of a reboot of the creation story with some interesting details about the first couple. You want to have a trained theologian dive into this. I'm going to read scripture from Genesis 2, 19 through 20. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. That's from Genesis 2, 19 through 20. And that, to me, is a really cushy job. Naming the animals. That's my job. Naming, sign me up. And I do things like, well, we'll call that a duck. And that one has a lot of things that kind of look like the thing I just called a duck. So we'll call him a duck-billed platypus. Whatever platypus means. Lord, you sure created a lot of animals. I could use a lunch break. Um, it makes me wonder if any of the animal uh, names that Adam gave 
are ones that we still use. Here's a photo of a fish that my granddaughter created. This is Clara's wonderful fish. And if I was naming that, since I'd probably recently seen angels, I'd say, Lord, that's an angelfish. And that's my favorite one. You may have seen this. In 2016, there was a very creative artistic dad who took his son's drawings and photoshopped them into these fantastic creatures. And I just love it. I just love the fact that this thing, whatever you want to call it, is, I'm guessing it's a whale. But I'd have to come up with a name for it because that's my job in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to name them. And that's sort of like a smiley-faced giraffe guy. Maybe if I'd already called something else a giraffe. And my favorite is the elephant with the need for a little orthodontia there. Now we move to the next thing. Humanity rebels and God rescues. This is bad. This is, after all, the fun times of naming animals and tilling the gardens in the Garden of Eden. Forget the blame game of who fooled who. Our ancestors rebelled against God. The first time, but definitely not the last. And suddenly, work isn't fun anymore. The ground is cursed because of you. All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Humanity has turned away from God, and sin and death have entered the world along with every kind of brokenness. One consequence of this is work isn't as wonderful as it's supposed to be. All of creation is in bondage, so work will feel like it's in bondage too. Sometimes it's great, and other times it's painful. Most of the occupations we have in the 21st century didn't exist in biblical times, but we all know what it feels like to have thorns and thistles in our way. In essence, work feels like work. One reason no one has to remind me work is broken is the way I find myself talking about it with my 13-year-old son. Finn, like probably a lot of his peers, thinks his job, thinks his, job his first job, should be replacing Elon Musk as the most talented, innovative, richest man on earth. After all, it should be easy. Finn has a lot of great ideas and grown-ups are out of touch with what the world wants and needs. Hard to argue with. But it would probably be healthier for him to hold on to his dream than the reality check that I offer him. I talk to him about minimum wage and making the best of his early opportunities and working hard and taking it seriously. And I can just watch him wilt. Hospitality is where I spent a huge part of my working life. Delis, diners, restaurants, catering, hard but fulfilling work that is mostly shut down in the midst of the global pandemic or certainly very hard to do. My favorite metaphor for running a full service restaurant is the movie, The Greatest Showman. My best staff always seem to be an assembly of the biggest misfits. Amazingly, amazingly talented folks. Show people actually but I got to be the flawed but energized ringleader in the middle of it all. I ended up opening many new locations over the course of that career, helping to hire, train, 
and cast vision for a new staff, focusing on every detail, winning over the first customers and turning them into loyal regulars. One of the gurus of hospitality that I came in contact with while I was helping to open TGI Friday's restaurants used to say about teaching a new staff, catch them doing something right, which is good advice for managing people, teaching, and parenting. Thankfully, it seems to be uh, God's take on me. So that seems like a pretty rosy picture. Here's a story, the thorns and thistles of food service. I was helping open a new Waffle Works in Herkimer, New York. It was our second or third week of being open, and we were still very much in the first impressions phase when an employee with a horrified look on his face came running up to me. There is an awful smell outside our building. Wait, oh, hold on a second. Is anyone having breakfast right now? Feel free to turn down the volume for just, just a minute. Probably till you see my next slide. So I ran out the front door of the diner, which was on a fairly busy main road. And oh my Lord, it was awful. I had no idea what I was smelling. But then I saw it. <laughs> on the side of the road, right in front of our shiny new restaurant, was what looked like a large, dead alien. As I was staring at it, another rusta, a rusty semi drove by with a, a label on it, like somebody's slaughterhouse. And I knew in a flash, I mean, I sort of knew what I was looking at. It was the half-decayed insides of a cow. A moment like that defines what kind of leader you are. It wasn't something I could delegate. I couldn't make a new employee remove it, and they were all new. I definitely couldn't leave it there. So uh, I don't need to give you the gory details, but I managed to put my arms in a garbage bag and get that thing out of there. One of the bravest things I've ever done. Back to our, our gospel. God created God commanded, humanity rebelled, God rescues, and now humanity responds. In light of the fact that we have been redeemed, how does that change work? From a very practical standpoint, let's see three habits we can adopt to help work work for us. Number one, remember, work lets us reflect the master builder. Back to scripture, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. We are to be good stewards of what God has put us in charge of. Many folks started victory gardens in the midst of corona, of the corona quarantine. They canned and jarred, tended and mended. Others cleaned out their garages and basements, improved their landscape, added a deck. We are going to do all kinds of work in our life. Schoolwork, housework, yard work, work work, working out. Only some of it's paid. We volunteer, promote, advocate, raise our kids. In all of it, we have a choice of where we find our inspiration and strength. Remember that when we are at work, we are reflecting the image of God. Number two, we can accept that work is holy and hard. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. When we are at work creating good, we are fulfilling a God-given mandate. And that's why we can find flow. 
And here's flow. Flow is the mental state of operation in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, fully in, full involvement and enjoyment in the process of the activity. The hallmark of flow is a feeling of spontaneous joy, even rapture. While performing a task, although flow is also described as a deep focus on nothing, but the activity, not even oneself or one's emotions. I had a sense of flow in the middle of a busy Saturday night in a full service restaurant where everyone from the front door to the back was rocking their job. Hosts, waitstaff, bartenders, cooks, dishwashers, four or five hours of full tilt mayhem, maxing out what that restaurant could do. I find flow when I'm part of our David's Refuge Night, where we have staff and volunteers on both campuses entertaining the kids on one and serving the parents and caregivers a meal on the other. I can't see the whole event, but I know my part in it. Where do you find flow in your job? The more you can do those things, the more you will enjoy what you do. Here's a tip. Set a timer and keep a daily log of what you were doing at work and whether you feel flow to help you identify potential ways to tailor your job. That's the part of work that is holy. The good stuff that we feel proud of and feel like we could do forever. Work is also hard. The whole world is broken, so our work life is broken too. We go back to this. The ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Number three, lean in as a labor of love. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God created us in his image. Therefore, just as God exists in three persons, each serving the other, we are designed to be better together. Work gives us an opportunity to pursue unity with others, but developing a team is always a labor of love. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Adding humans to work and cultivate the world together moves creation from good to very good in God's eyes. Remember that the work you do is a labor of love for God and others. So pursue excellence, create beauty, be a servant, and cultivate goodness. Brother Lawrence, who lived in the 1600s, was a lay brother in the Carmelite Monastery in Paris. He had been damaged physically and emotionally in the 30 years war. And when he entered the monastery, he was an awkward and uneducated man in his mid-20s. Yet his writings were gathered in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, which has been read by Christians for over 300 years. He is a hero to me, not just because he worked for years in the kitchen, but because he was able to feel God's presence and deep connection with him in the midst of the most mundane tasks. Quote from Brother Lawrence. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying in the pan for love of him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work 
Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. There's a lot about this life that is routine and not at all exciting. Our ability to dedicate it and offer it to God can make it holy. One of the beliefs that has been talked about in this series is the notion of dualism. Dualism is seeing separation between religious things and non-religious things. Dualism says, I'm over here with my saving faith in Jesus and work is over there. The gospel says these two things are intertwined. God has rescued us and in the same way God redeems us, God redeems work. I think a perfect picture of how work can be redeemed is our volunteer culture here at Eastern Hills. Everything we do requires the help of people who already have plenty of work to do for their jobs, for their families, for their communities. We are so thankful for those of you who take on the challenge of volunteering. Thank you. Watch any one of our volunteers take the drone view of the task they are accomplishing. And you will see cooperation, empathy, a sense of urgency, but also a sense of humor. Our people have fun serving together. As Jesus followers, how we act in the workplace matters. We should be the last to gossip and disrupt. We should respect authority, be kind, work hard and smart. We shouldn't be the best at finding the loophole or the workaround. We should be great at supporting our coworkers. Here's a quote from Pastor Rob in week one of this series. When we've lost meaning, we're simply going through the motions. Don't be that worker who is just going through the motions. Move on if you have to, but don't just mail it in. The Apostle Paul, hardworking tent maker that he was, put it this way. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. As a reminder from my hospitality days, and for the good of everyone in that wonderful industry, followers of Jesus should be the nicest people to wait on, the most generous tippers, the most patient people on the waiting list, and the least demanding. I'm sorry to say our reputation is almost the opposite of that. And with God's help, we can redeem that too. Make work work for you. Keep the passion, but find the balance so work has a proper place in your life. Be humble and a team player. Just understand that all of our work is challenged by the fact that what we are trying to do, we're trying to do in a broken world full of broken people. Except for being a dad, the best job I've ever had is working here at Eastern Hills. It is also the one I've had for the longest time. Just like parenting, that doesn't mean it's been easy. So let's reverse that exercise from earlier. What is the best job you ever had? Let's play, you think that's good? Is it the job you have right now? And if not, why? What would change if you invite God into that work and he helps to redeem it? I'm going to end not with inspiring words of encouragement from scripture, but with sound advice from my dear mom who would say to me in my deepest, darkest days of despair about work, she always liked to have the last word, you're lucky to have that job. Miss you, Mama. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
that you can redeem work for us. Thank you that even though we live in a broken world where much of what we have to face and much of what we have to do is so hard, that you value work enough to meet us in it and to redeem it. Please, Lord, bless us in the days ahead as we find new meaning in the jobs that we do, new inspiration from you and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For more information about Eastern Hills, please check out easternhills.org. We would love to pray for you. Email your request to office at easternhills.org. If you would like to donate to the ministry of Eastern Hills, click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Take care. God bless.